on his rampage of destruction on the stroke of midnight. The deadly impact of his mysterious ray smashed the famous Tower Bridge, hurling cars and pedestrians into the river below. The police have warned everyone to remain in their homes. This looks like a job for Superman. You're listening to Superman or Else, and this is episode number six, The Haunting. Hello and welcome to Superman or Else, the podcast in which I'm talking about post-crisis Superman comics one issue at a time. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and I think it's about time we brought the cape back. Not to show, but the item of clothing that one typically wears around the neck to billow about in the wind as it cascades down your back. I mean, I have a cape and it's pretty sweet, but whenever I wear it out in public, people give me funny looks wherever I go especially when I play basketball. I don't know. I just think that if someone cool like Matt Damon or Morgan Freeman or maybe even Oprah was out there wearing capes in public, that maybe it would quickly become one of the more accepted and popular fashion accessories of our time. That way, when I wear mine to the swimming pool, people would stop pointing and laughing and all that. But hey, we aren't here today to talk about fashion, despite how good I look in a cape. No, today we're wrapping up the first ever top-to-bottom reboot of Superman with The Man of Steel, issue number six. This issue hit the stands on September 25th, 1986. It sold for just 75 cents, and the title of the story is The Haunting. It was written by John Byrne, penciled by John Byrne, inks by Dick Giordano, letters by John Costanza, and the colors were by Tom Zuko. Superman! Superman! Clark Kent returns to Smallville and begins having visions of his birth parents on Krypton. Clark realizes for the first time that he is an alien and was not conceived on Earth. He also discovers that the rocket ship that brought him to Earth is missing. Evidence shows that it was taken from its secret location within the last six months. While learning about his own origins, Clark is also reunited with Lana Lang, who has also recently returned to Smallville. Say hello to Lana Lang. Clark told Lana about his powers just before he left Smallville years earlier. Lana reveals to Clark that she was deeply hurt when Clark left and has only recently made peace with her emotions for him. That synopsis comes from Mike's Amazing World of Comics at mikesamazingworld.com, and I only had to change two words. Sometimes I don't get Superman's emails for... Years. I'll let you decide which two they were. All right, so let's look at the issue. We'll start, as we always do, with the cover. At the top there, just below the banner that says a six-part miniseries by Byrne and Giordano, we get the headline, I guess you'll call it, Return to Smallville, the Epic Conclusion. All right, so on the left side of the cover, as we've had for the previous five issues, we get a scene from within the issue, and that's Superman first seeing his Kryptonian father, Jor-El, who has appeared to him as a hologram, or I'll just call it a force ghost, even though it's a hologram. Then on the right side of the issue, we see the character who makes a debut in this issue, which in this case is Lana Lang, who actually made her debut in the first issue. So I think this is the first time we have a character there on the right side of the cover that actually made their debut in a earlier issue. All in all, for the final issue of this miniseries, it's a fairly boring cover. This is boring. 
Delete. The issue itself opens up with Clark as Superman returning to Smallville. He flies over the town super fast so no one can see him. And then also super fast, he lands at the bus station, changes back into Clark, and just mixes in with people coming off of a bus from Kansas City. His parents are there to meet him, Jonathan and Martha. His little trick there to make people think that he was getting off the bus from Kansas City was obviously not for his parents. They know who he is, but they're there to meet him and take him back to the farm. And I mean, he could have flown to the farm and I think he does do that in the future. I don't really know why he had to make this whole business about him uh, making it look like he got off of a bus because I know that in the future he'll just fly to the farm and he does so, so fast that nobody sees. So I don't understand the point of this, but it does allow Clark to have this car ride or truck ride with his parents, all three of them sitting in the cab of this old truck. And Clark's asking how things have been. and. Martha is giving him the updates from Smallville. For example, Mary Ellen Anderson had twins a week back. And when Jonathan kind of cuts in to give a bit of news, Martha elbows him in the stomach. So he's about to say, mind you, there is one thing we didn't tell. Oh, that's when she elbows him. Clark asks, Pa? And Jonathan just returns with, "Uh, nothing, son. It'll keep, it'll keep. So then we get to the farm and we get this panel where Clark is sitting at the table with his ma and his pa. It looks like they have just finished eating dinner and they're now eating rhubarb pie. Martha is, of course, being the woman, clearing the table while Jonathan and Clark sit and enjoy her pie because apparently women are not allowed to sit at the table with their men. And so... That made me cringe just a little bit. But Clark is sitting there at this table with just, you know, a polo shirt on and some slacks, no shoes. He's got his socks on. And this is, as far as I'm concerned, this is the true person. This is the true Clark Kent, the true Superman, the true Kal-El. I mean, one of the things that I hear a lot about Superman is which version of him is the real person? Is he Clark Kent? And is Superman the costume? What Kent wears, the glasses, the business suit, that's the costume. Or is Superman the real person and Clark Kent is the costume? And I think at least as of this Burn reboot, I can't speak for any Silver Age stories. I think that both Clark Kent, the Clark Kent that he is in public, like when he's at the Daily Planet and he's hanging out with Lois and Jimmy and Perry White, I think that's a costume. I think when he's Superman and he's battling bad guys and he's giving press conferences and he's shaking hands and rescuing babies and blah, 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 I think that's a costume. This guy here with his shoes off, eating some rhubarb pie with his parents, that is the real person. That is the real Clark Kent. And one of the ways that Byrne characterizes this is when he is in his Clark Kent costume, his hair is all slicked back and he's wearing glasses. When he is Superman, he has the spit curl. He's not wearing glasses, of course, and he's wearing the Superman costume. But here, he's wearing regular clothes, he's not wearing the glasses, and he has the spit curl. So this is like the only time that he can truly be himself, is when he is around people who know his secret. He doesn't have to act like, oh, he's not quite bumbling as Clark Kent in these issues. 
or Clark Kent Just a simpleton, yes, just a civilian These other ladies, they be talking about super strength and heat vision I ain't got either of them, so keep fishing but like in the in the Golden Age Superman, because I've been reading a lot of Golden Age Superman over the last year, that Clark Kent is a real wiener. He's mild mannered. He's a coward. And then Superman is this big, strong, bohunk, meathead kind of guy. The Clark Kent post-crisis here is much more confident. He's not bumbling. He doesn't trip. He doesn't stammer and get embarrassed easily. And he's not a weakling and a coward. But he does, I guess, act maybe a little naive. I don't know. But this here, this Superman, this Clark Kent, this guy who's hanging out with his parents, that is the real person. And I think it's the really the only time in these books that we see who he really is. It's either moments where he's all alone or moments when he's with his parents, which is kind of sad. You know, he, he can only truly be himself when he's either alone or when he's with his parents or really anybody who knows his secret. And at this point, it's just, Jonathan and Martha Kent and Lana Lang. So as they're sitting around the table, or at least Jonathan and Clark are sitting around the table while Martha apparently waits on them hand and foot, Jonathan asks Clark about Lois. Apparently, Clark has been sending letters home since he moved to Metropolis, and since working for the Daily Planet, he has mentioned Lois in most, if not every one of the letters that he has sent home. So his pa, Jonathan, is not a stupid man and realizes that Clark is sweet on her, as he puts it. And Clark, I guess he is kind of dumb because he didn't realize he was being so transparent, but he explains that, yeah, he... He likes her a lot, but unfortunately, since he stole that Superman story out from under her or beat her to the story, that she does not like him all that much. Uh, his mom, being his mom, of course, just is confused about the fact that any woman would not be in love with him. Who wouldn't love you? Uh, but Clark then kind of gets a bit depressed and talks about the reason why he put on the costume was so that he could go out and help people without it interfering with his private life. But what kind of private life does he have? Or at least he feels his private life is not complete because he does not have someone in it like Lois, someone that he can share his life with other than his mom and his dad. I want to know what love is. So that night he's in bed and he can't sleep and he, he goes downstairs to get some more pie and he's a little worried because he knows that earlier in the truck, his dad was going to tell him something and that his mom cut him off. And he, he's wondering what his dad was going to tell him. And he, he can't even imagine that it doesn't, he, he finds it unimaginable that they might have a secret that they're hiding from him. And it's as he's getting the pie from the fridge that he turns. And there is the hologram of Jor-El standing there in the kitchen, which scares the shit out of Clark. And he drops the pie on the floor as Jor-El is speaking to Clark, but Clark can't understand him because Jor-El is speaking in the Kryptonian language. And Clark even mentions that his super senses don't detect anything but empty air. He can see the guy, he can hear the guy, but every other sense is telling him that there's nothing actually there. Well, the hologram of Jor-El then reaches out and touches Clark on the forehead and Clark freaking just passes out. I mean, 
there's this panel where it looks like he's about to do a header into the ground and there's these different colored bubbles around him and different sparkly stars. And this is the moment in the movie that I feel like we'd hear magic carpet ride from a Leonard Skinner or purple haze from Jimi Hendrix, you know, like he's suddenly going on a bad trip, but by the next panel, he's picking himself up off the floor. He's now suddenly in his Superman costume. And as he's speaking, he's going in and out of both English and the Krypton language. And he stands up and he realizes he's no longer in the kitchen. He realizes he's got his costume on and around him are Kryptonians and they run from him and he's chasing them. No, don't run away from me. Tell me where I am. And it's at that point that he steps out onto this balcony and he sees that he's on what to him looks like an alien world. A woman approaches him, calling him Jor-El because she thinks he looks like her husband. She realizes, no, you're not Jor-El, but you look like him. You must be my son. And Clark kind of stammers for a second. And suddenly the woman, the Kryptonian woman claiming to be his mother, her face changes. It kind of blurs and gets all mixed up. And now suddenly he's staring into the face of Lana Lang. Say hello to Lana Lang. And he is on the ground in the middle of a field just outside his parents' house in Smallville. And Lana Lang is standing above him. Lana is, of course, very concerned for Clark. She had either been driving by the house or was coming over and saw Clark come charging out of the house and run across the field and collapse. And Clark, in return, is actually surprised to see her because, as far as he knew, she had left Smallville around the same time that he did and hasn't been back. And we learn here that the events of issue number one, or at least the the bit in issue number one where Clark learns that he's adopted. They found him on a rocket that they assumed was shot into space by Russia or some other foreign country with a baby inside. And then Clark decides he's going to leave Smallville and go do his thing. That happened 10 years ago. So the events that are taking place here, if we look at the timeline, Clark graduates from high school. Well, we don't actually see him graduating. He plays in that football game, decides to leave. Smallville. And then seven years later, still in the same issue, issue number one is when he comes back to Smallville to tell his parents about the deal with the, with the space shuttle. And that's when they decide, let's make you a costume and, and you become Superman. So you instead of doing all this good in secret, trying not to let anybody see you, now you can be more out and in the open. So seven years after he left Smallville to help the world. He becomes Superman. Well, here in issue number six, it's 10 years after that day that he decides to leave Smallville. So it's three years after his debut as Superman. That's where we're at timeline-wise. But that night in issue number one, where he decides, you know, he, he finds the truth. He finds out that he's adopted. He decides he's going to leave Smallville and go out and use his powers for good. The one bit that they left out, they revisit here or they visit here in this issue. We get a flashback showing that before he left, he actually went to see Lana Lang. Now, Lana was the girl he was with at the end of the football game, and they were going to go out to get a milkshake. And then apparently they were going to go to the victory sock hop that night after they won 
their victory against Compton High, which I just noticed that after however many times I've read this series, I've just now noticed that the high school that they played against was called Compton High. They're in Kansas. There is a small town in Kansas called La Compton, and that's that's where my grandma grew up. It's where my mom grew up. But anyway, I have to assume that 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 is a, a reference of some sort to the small town of LeCompton, right? Right? I don't know. Did John Byrne know enough about Kansas to to do that? Who knows? But that night, before he leaves, Clark goes to see Lana, and he shares his secret with Lana. So up to this point, we had assumed that the only people that knew that Clark was Superman were his parents. But we learn here that Lana Lang knows as well. And the one thing that she tells Clark as she is reminiscing with him about this night is that after he shares his deepest secret with him, he takes her home, says goodbye, and kisses her like a brother would kiss a sister. And then he was gone. Clark was gone. Gone from Smallville. And she did not like him much after that. He basically opened the door to this great wide world, said to her, who at this point was madly in love with Clark, he said to her, this is who I am. You now know my secret. You now are closer to me than anyone else. And uh, bye, I will see you in 10 years, basically, you know. And so she was very angry. She left Smallville as well to go out and I don't know, find herself, I guess. And she mentions that when he made his debut three years ago as Superman, she was still very angry with him. And she contemplated outing him and letting everybody know who Superman was. But she's come to grips with what happened to her. She forgives Clark. She's glad that they're friends. She knows that Clark didn't mean to hurt her when he basically opened up to her and then left. And so. She forgives him. Clark then, dressed as Superman, flies out to the spot where Jonathan had taken him 10 years ago to show where the rocket was buried in the field. He's got all these thoughts growing through his head about love, everything that people have said to him in this issue. Lana telling him that she knows that Clark told her what he told her out of love. Jonathan telling him that he is sweet on this Lois Lane girl. He even saying life's incomplete without someone like Lois. And then there's a quote here. I'm not exactly sure who this comes from because it's got Lois Lane's face next to the quote. And Superman is thinking Lois right after the quote, which is you can never belong to one woman, Clark. I don't, I don't remember Lana saying that. I don't remember anybody saying that, but anyway, he's now all, I don't know. He's kind of emo. He's, he's had this encounter with, this holographic ghost claiming to be his father. He somehow managed to mentally visit this otherworldly planet and met a woman claiming to be his mother. And so he is more interested. He's, he, he just feels this need to find out exactly where he's from. And so he flies out to where his parents found the rocket 28 years ago. He pulls the big slab of wood off the hole, and he finds that the rocket is gone. He starts to freak out a bit, but he he calms himself, and he uses 
his X-ray vision and his other senses, he, he, or his microscopic vision and his other senses. What he actually says is, my super senses reveal a large vehicle pulled up to this site within the last six months. But it looks like he's looking at the tire tracks. Maybe it's X-ray vision through the grass. I don't know. I don't know how his super senses would just know that these tire tracks were six months old. But as he's thinking about it, he's thinking he could backtrack, you know, follow these this trail and backtrack it to, to whoever took the rocket and maybe get him some answers. And then suddenly this holographic image of Jorel is back. He just says two words to Clark, my son. Clark tells him to back off, that he wants some answers. And then Jorel holds his hand out to him and some kind of weird energy field moves from Jorel to Superman, causing a massive headache. Superman drops to his knees, cradling his head in his hands. He's getting, um, well, we don't see that he's getting this, but he's, he's thinking in his head that he's, his mind is exploding with a million alien images, everything slipping away, my mind, my humanity. And it's at this point that Jonathan and Martha pull up in the truck. Jonathan jumps out of the truck, sees, sees his son on the ground and this ghost standing above him. He tells Martha to be ready to drive in case we need some help, grabs a shovel out of the back of the truck, runs up to the back of Jorel and smacks him in the back of his holographic head with the shovel, which causes the, the holographic image not only to disappear in like this cloud of popping, fizzing, buzzing smoke, it also causes most of the shovel to disintegrate. Jonathan asks if his boy is okay and... Clark says he is. He realizes that the image of Jorel was a hologram, but something that is more technologically advanced than anything they have on Earth. He feels that it was a recording of some kind and that the man called him his son. And then Clark slash Superman tells his mom and pa that he's got a lot jumbled inside his head right now. He's got to go away, somewhere away from the rest of the world so that he can think. He flies out into outer space. And as he is flying, he is thinking about his parents discovering him in the rocket, how their theory and his theory has always been that he was some sort of space program that originated on Earth from uh, some other foreign country, possibly Russia, and that as a baby, they place him in this rocket and that the Kents found him and raised him as their own. But now he is starting to acknowledge the fact that he may not be from Earth. And as he is... A as he's starting to slowly come to accept that fact, all this information suddenly just starts flowing through his head. Like whatever Jorel had done to him, he had provided him with um, almost like a complete history of Krypton. We don't we don't quite get that yet, but Jorel basically whatever he had done in that instant explained everything to Clark. But Clark had some kind of mental block there for a moment that wasn't allowing it to go through. Just this massive amount of data that was placed into his head in, in an instant. But the more he starts to come to accept all of this information, bit by bit, more of it starts opening up to him. And eventually, he realizes that he is not from Earth. He was conceived on this planet called Krypton, and that he is the sole survivor, that the planet Krypton exploded, and he's the only one to survive. And uh, for 28 years, he's lived his life as an Earthman, as a human being. But the reason why he has these powers is because his origin is secretly alien. So he flies back down to Earth. He's out in the middle of 
I don't know, it looks like the tundra, the Arctic tundra. We get this last page where it's supposed to look like he's standing there in this iconic Superman pose. I tell you what, this is not one of my favorite John Byrne Superman images. There's just something about it that A, doesn't feel like John Byrne. And I'm, I don't know, I'm just, I'm not a big fan of it. But in this last panel, he's thinking to himself, I may have been conceived out there in the endless depths of space, but I was born when the rocket opened on Earth in America. I'll cherish always the memories Jor-El and Lara gave me, but only as curious mementos of a life that might have been. Krypton bred me, but it was Earth that gave me all I am, all that matters. It was Krypton that made me Superman, but it was Earth that makes me human. And that's how the six-issue series ends. And I have to tell you, I think issue six was the big disappointment of this series, which is never a good thing when you can be enjoying the first five issues of a, of a mini series and you get to that final one and you're like, what, that's it? Wah, wah. That's, that's kind of how I felt at the end of it. They're just, I mean, there's this big reveal of something that we as a reader already knew that he's from Krypton. We all knew that. It's the only person that didn't know that was Superman himself. And for him to learn that in this final issue is not a big deal for us as the reader. Right? I don't know anybody who went into this series not know. I mean, good God, they tell you at the beginning of the story that he's from Krypton. We know that. He just doesn't. So for them to basically spend this entire issue to tell us two things. One, Lana was pissed off at him for 10 years, but she's not anymore. And two, he realizes and accepts the fact that he's from Krypton. However, while he accepts that fact, he accepts that he was made on Krypton or that he, you know, he was conceived on Krypton, but he's still a human. He is an earthling. He he was raised on Earth in Kansas. He's a gosh darn American. And uh, I'll be interested to see exactly how it goes from here. Because from what I understand, we are, you know, of course, we're in the, we're in the 80s. We're in the era of, of Reagan in the White House, conservative values, greedy America, capitalism. That's what the 80s were all about. And from what I've read recently, the Superman from this era, starting with this John Byrne run, was a very right-leaning Superman, which is a big change to how he ends up being sometime in the 2000s when he renounces his American citizenship. So, yeah, his political ideals depend on who's writing them, right? That's just the way these characters are. So, yeah, be interested to... to see how this sucker progresses. I mean, overall, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of the miniseries. I'm just not happy with the way it ended. It's, it just seems like a big letdown to me. And I don't understand how you can reboot Superman, starting with the six issue mini that's supposed to retell his origin and fully cement him in this new version of the DC universe and end it on such a blah type of issue. I mean, I feel like Really, what we had going here with the six issues was that John Byrne just wanted to get into some new Superman stories. He wasn't really all that concerned with where how Superman came to be before the main titles start back starts back up with Superman number one. Those are the stories he wanted to tell, but he had to tell this story first. So he just threw these six issues together and got him out of the way before he could do what he really wanted to do. And We'll see. We'll see if that's true. We'll see how the the rest of these issues kind of fall out before us. But that was Man of Steel, issue number six, kind of a big letdown. I don't really want to end this miniseries 
the 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 six episodes talking about this miniseries on the same kind of letdown. But you know what? What are you going to do? Nothing. There's nothing you can do about that. It wasn't great. It wasn't crap, but it wasn't great. And for a reboot of Superman, it should have been much better. That last issue should have been much better than what it really is. And it should have had Lois Lane in it. It should have had freaking Lex Luthor in it. And neither one of them showed up in the issue. Big letdown. And that's all I got to say about that. So with the Man of Steel six issue event all wrapped up, I'm going to take a short break from the podcast, uh, uh, two, three, maybe four weeks. But when I come back, we're going to jump into the first of the three core Superman titles with Superman number one from October of 1986. Until then, the red trunks may look good on Superman, but try and avoid leaving the house with your underwear on the outside of your pants. I am never going to live that day down. Bye. Superman or Else is a Stephen or Else production in association with the Superman Super Show. Questions and comments can be directed to the Superman Super Show at gmail.com. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month over at my Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Stephen R. Or, and in return, I'm going to do my very best to get you and your fellow patrons episodes just like this one before anyone else. I also encourage you to rate the show wherever available and share this podcast with a friend. Superman is published by DC Comics and was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. All right, so on the left side of the cover, we've had a fuck. All right, on the left was Superman number one from October of 1986. Until then, the red trunks may. Until then, the red trunks may look. Jesus, fuck. Yeah. Glasses all bad, email sent.
faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound, the infant of Krypton is now the man of steel, Superman, who best be in a position to use his amazing powers in a never-ending battle for true justice, Superman has assumed the skies of Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper. I just don't think I can move through life knowing that a guy named Steven did this to me.